Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, all truth seekers from across the globe. This is Reverend Karen L. Heasley from the Spiritual Path Church of Newcastle, Pennsylvania, in the United States. Our truth seeker show covers a variety of subjects, from angels to afterlife communication, to parapsychology, to spiritualism, to near-death experiences, meditation, and a number of other truth-seeking topics. We are happy you have chosen to join us for this episode and hope you find it informative and enjoyable. Tonight's guest is Angela Artemist. Angela is a speaker, best-selling author of the Intuition Principle, founder of the award-winning website PoweredByIntuition.com, and a sales and intuitive client acquisition strategist. Angela has a background in personal finance planning, and previously worked in the field of personal finance for 25-plus years, where she was a regional manager in the private banking, wealth, and investment management division, managing, coaching, and training several teams of financial sales professionals. She was also a top-producing and financial sales professional in the mortgage industry, and she now works with sensitive spiritual-minded solopreneurs who love what they do but are uncomfortable with sales and signing up more clients to empower them so that they easily bring on more clients, grow their income, feel natural and self-assured in the process, and have fun in their business again. After our chat with (laughs) Angela, we will be open for callers with questions you may have. The number to call now write this down, is 657-383-0416. I'm going to repeat that again, 657-383-0416. We have a chat room open as well where you can type questions to us. Hello, Angela. It's so nice to have you here with us tonight. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to it all week. Well, I'm glad. And we go back a long way. We we met at the Journey Within <laughs> Church. Remember that? That's right. I sure do. I always remembered you very fondly, and I can tell you what a wonderful surprise it was to hear from you. I was absolutely overjoyed. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad that we could reconnect we uh, went on different paths, but see how we ended up again together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So now I'm going to um, ask you a question that a lot of people might be interested in. I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to become an intuition coach. Oh, sure. I'd love to. Well, I think because like I'm sure many of uh, your 
listeners and perhaps many of the people who belong to the congregation of the church. Uh, at a very young age, I had a lot of experiences with spirit. And I was, of course, a little child unsure and uh, afraid of the people that I was seeing and hearing who were speaking to me. And it really triggered something, or perhaps it was just my nature, I'm not sure, but from the time I was a child, I was fascinated and drawn to anything to do with uh, metaphysics, spirituality, and of course, life after death, and intuition, and astrology. And I started reading the tarot when I was 11 years old, and then I started casting astrology charts when I was 12. And all the while, I was trying to shut my eyes at night and go to sleep with a nightlight so that the, the people that were talking to me wouldn't scare me because my parents told me it was my imagination. Yeah. So I wanted to become an intuition coach because I grew up around all of this. It was my passion. It was my interest, even though, of course, I um, went into finance as an adult and financial sales, and I had a lovely career that I enjoyed you know, there's a difference between doing something that you're good at and then being absolutely enthralled, you know, from the time you were a child, every single cell in your body, you know, from head to toe, loving a particular subject. And that subject always was around intuition. So the reason why I wanted to become an intuition coach was because When I was in the field of financial sales and I was working with uh, financial professionals, what I realized was that sales requires confidence. And sales also requires relying upon your intuition. A lot of people don't know that, but you have to listen to those inner whispers in order to really ascertain what your clients might need from you. And if you're not good at listening to your intuition, you're going to come across salesy and pushy. So in my years of going through my career and then realizing I had this really great interest around intuition and all the other topics that revolve around it, I realized they were related. When you develop your intuition, you become more confident because you make decisions based upon your intuition and they turn out to be correct you trust yourself more. And when you trust yourself more, you will take greater risks and you will achieve more in your life because you won't be so afraid and unsure of yourself that you constantly stay within the confines of your comfort zone. So for me, intuition, sales, business, success, it's all wrapped up and intertwined with confidence and developing intuition. They're like two sides of the same coin. So I don't, um, I don't see that intuition is separate from business. Uh, and I, don't, I see all of it as part of your own personal self-growth and development, and it's all about confidence and growing. Because as you would say, I'm sure, as a medium and the uh, pastor of a church, you know, we're here to learn. We're here on this earth having a physical experience while we're all spirits and we're learning to navigate the physical world and we have to take risks. So that requires confidence and that is based upon learning to listen to your gut. Yes, I agree. 
and and on why why you wrote this book? What inspired you to write this book, Angela? I feel like if I didn't write this book, I was going to absolutely explode. <laughs> I had been um, writing for a while. I had some side gigs while I was in the financial industry writing articles for a local newspaper and some uh, magazines, you know, monthly columns, and they were all kind of business and real estate related. But meanwhile, my, my passion, my interest was intuition and how I felt in the business world, we see many people just completely and totally focused on the bottom line. And I felt like my mission was to inform people that we need to go back to becoming more intuitive, relying upon our intu- intuition more, integrating it into business, because when you listen to your intuition, you are more apt to be empathetic. And when you have empathy and compassion towards your fellow human beings and the, all creatures on earth and the world, which is a living ecosystem, you're not as uh, quick to do things that could hurt other people and other living organisms, which I include the earth being a living organism. And I felt that I had to write a book that helps reconnect people to their intuition because my, one of my great passions is reconnecting to intuition so that we all come together as a people and do good, not only good for one another, but good for our planet. Well, that makes sense. That that does. Um, as I was reading your book, I truly love this quote in your book. It was by Albert Einstein. The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Yes. Yeah, and that's exactly, I think, in a sense, what I was, when I felt so compelled to write this book, it just poured out of me. I have to tell you, I, I was able to write the book in about four and a half months. Of course, then it took another nine months to edit the book, but still, it poured out of me because I feel like it was coming through me, and I feel like I was just the, you know, the channel, but the truth is we have become so lopsided in Western society where we rely completely on the rational mind. And only, I would say maybe in the last seven or eight years, I've seen a shift towards people beginning to honor their intuition. But the truth is from that quote from Einstein, he was very, very creative and he was also deeply, deeply spiritual. He wasn't so much as, um, not, I'm not saying he wasn't religious in his own faith, but he had a deep spirituality, and he's written about it. And he feels that this intuition was a way of receiving knowledge beyond the limited confines of his mind. And people, of course, say he was the greatest mind of his at our time. And when we ignore our intuition and we just go completely towards what we would say is left brain versus right brain, everything is based on, you know, the numbers and logic and it's not honoring the whole. And everything that we should be doing as human beings is 
we should be honoring the whole. We should take into consideration always the big picture when we make decisions. We should use both left brain and right brain and make decisions for the good of all. And the fact is that what Einstein was alluding to is that we have gone way, way, way off course and swung way, way, way off into one side. And, of course, we see it in the way that, you know, we have oil companies drilling for oil in our oceans and then having these catastrophes where we have these huge oil leaks, you know, that can't be stopped for months and months and months and killing our ecosystem. In all of these types of things, they're, they're all about what the logical mind thinks, well, this is going to make a profit. This is what we need to do. And he's saying, no, you need to use your whole brain. You need to think about what benefits the all and what's good for all. And when you put your mind into the hands of spirit through the technology of intuition, you will be gifted with answers. They won't just be the, you know, um, the standard answers that we're used to. They'll be amazing, creative solutions. That's how innovation happens. So when you wrote the book, it seems like you had a lot of inspirational writing happening. Yes, I did. I actually wrote about inspirational writing in the book. (laughs) Yes. I think I called it intuitively uh, inspired writing, but yeah. Yes, you did. Um, Explain living authentically. Living authentically means that you are in touch with your intuition and you listen to it. In other words, you won't, let's say you are uh, a highly um, creative soul with a big heart and you love animals, but uh, you, you work for a company that, um, you know, skins beavers and makes coats. You're not going to have the inauthenticity to work for a company that makes beaver coats. You're going to live authentically to your ideals, to your values, to who you really are. And when you live authentically, you're in touch with your intuition, you're in touch with your values, and you make decisions based upon your values. And if you don't believe in you know, doing harm or doing something uh, just, you know, I'm using that example. I just made it up out of the top of my head. But let's mm-hmm. say you you don't believe in annihilating the beaver population or breeding beavers in capti- captivity so people can walk around in beaver coats. Uh, you know, you're not going to work for this company that sells beaver clothing or beaver coats, right, because it's not authentic to your values. But when you live authentically, You are in touch with spirit all the time. Spirit is working through you, and it is guiding you. And your values and your beliefs and all of your energy is attuned to a higher vibration so that your life actually flows more easily because you are living according to your deepest beliefs and principles not going against them, you know, believing one thing but doing another. So when you live authentically, you actually have more joy in your life because there isn't this inner conflict taking place where what you do outwardly is different from what you believe inside. 
So you're you're more of a whole person. You're not fractured. Does that make sense? It does. And would that be the same thing as what is an intuitively inspired life? Is that the same thing as what we were just talking about? Yes, it's very right. Intuit when you live an intuitively inspired life, you and and again, I don't want to say you should never make any decisions based upon reason and logic because I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you need to use your whole brain. You need to use both logic and intuition together. We don't want anybody doing anything foolhardy or making poor choices or, you know, jumping off a cliff saying, well, my intuition told me to do it. You know, no, we're not saying that. But when you live an intuitively inspired life, because you have been listening to your intuition and you started to make decisions based upon that inner whisper, that inner pull toward something, and you start small, you know, you don't make the biggest decisions. You know, let's say you heard a voice that says, I'm going to invest all my money in this one company. Well, nobody, and I'm going to say this having been a, you know, trained in personal financial planning, you, know, you would never want to put all your money in one investment because what if it went bust, right? That's the same Correct. thing. You start small, you make, inve- you make smaller decisions based upon your intuition, and then as you see that their accuracy it heightens your confidence and it heightens your ability to follow your intuition. And what happens is by listening to your intuition in concert with your logical mind and reason, you make intuitively inspired decisions. And when you listen to your intuition, you're really, really plugged in to the World Wide Web of Consciousness is what I call it, where we're all connected, we're all energy, we're all one. And because you're working in the flow of life, not against it, you find things happen for your good. Whatever you set your mind to, whatever your intention is, it actually manifests more easily and more quickly because you're not working against the flow of life. You're flowing with it. And so making intuitively inspired decisions and living what, I was, what we call the intuitively inspired life actually leads you to more joy, more satisfaction, more happiness because you're flowing with life. And then things transpire for your good along the way. Well, that makes sense. Um, and that happened to you, right, Angela? I mean, yeah. I mean, you want to tell us a little bit about there's things in a book that happened to you that you should you you went with your intuition. Oh my gosh, there's been so many. Um, I know one of the things that I always used to do is I had gone to um, a city near Philadelphia when I was going to college. And I would come home on the weekend. I wanted to see my family and, um, you know, my, my significant other and so on and so forth. And I was about uh, two hours and 20 minutes from the New York area where I lived. And so when I would get on the road, I could either take, um, you know, the – New Jersey Turnpike, or I could take the Garden State Parkway. And I would always, right before that moment when I had to choose which I was going to take, I would just say, 
which one is it to my intuition? And invariably, I would just hear a voice, and it would say, take the turnpike or take the Garden State Parkway. And I would get on the road, and then I would be listening to the news, and they would always talk about some accident or jam or, you know, there's always some kind of traffic going into Manhattan, um, that uh, on the other road that I didn't take. So things like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be monumental. It can be something that just aids you in your life. I was um, looking at something else I wanted to ask you, and this this struck me. The secret sauce in life. What is the secret sauce in life? (laughs) Well, the secret (laughs) sauce is listening to your intuition. It is the thing, it's sort of like the grease under the wheels. You know, if, if, you're, if you don't grease the wheels, they don't turn very easily, and it's like a really back-breaking work to get where you want to go. But if you listen to your intuition, and we talked about that before, if you make intuitively inspired decisions where you hear something, something pulls you, you feel very compelled to pick up the phone and call someone or to go somewhere, and you listen to these inner impulses. That's the secret sauce because since we are all connected, it's like I was saying earlier where, you know, the earth is a living organism. It's an ecosystem of living organisms or systems. And we're part of it. We're not separate. And I'm sure from the other side, when people pass into spirit and they go beyond the first, you know, whatever time period is where they grow and learn and go beyond being able to, you know, see the way maybe they used to see us, they start to just see energy, right? I think that's what I have read. And I, of course, I can't say for sure. I haven't been there yet, but... Um, we are all one organism, one tapestry of energy. We are interwoven in and around and through one another in this tapestry of life. And if we listen to our intuition, that's the secret sauce. It brings more joy and harmony into our life because, again, we are flowing with life. We are not digging our heels in and creating some kind of a block against life. You know, like if somebody has a blocked artery, what's going to happen? They're not going, their body, something has happened that's blocking the flow of life. And it's the same if we are part of this tapestry of life. The secret sauce is to allow yourself to be used by spirit. Allow the technology of intuition, which is a way of communicating with spirit, with higher intelligence, greater intelligence, God, spirit, the soul. You know, I don't know. We have many names, and who knows which name is right. Maybe it doesn't even matter. But your intuition is a technology. Just like if I pick up a phone, that's a piece of technology where I can call into your radio show. If Mm -hmm. I tune into my intuition... I can hear the intelligence being downloaded into my mind from great spirit. And so the secret sauce is to 
open up and allow yourself to be open to all of those whispers. And they are whispers. And there are ways to heighten those whispers, but essentially allow yourself to be a vehicle, to be an instrument, like a, you know, like in that opera, The Magic Flute. The magic flute is being played by spirit. That's the wind that's going through this wind instrument. We have to be the same. And that's the secret sauce in life. And when we do that, when we flow with life, there's just joy. And, of course, that doesn't mean you never encounter a problem. That doesn't mean you won't get a flat tire, you know. But in overall, you will always be able to lift yourself above all of these mundane problems and see the greater good and the greater picture and that will lift your spirit so i say that i just came to you and didn't know anything about intuition and i say angela what is intuition i would tell them basically the same thing i just said that intuition is a technology within us that allows us to be guided by and communicate with greater intelligence. And greater intelligence can be the higher self, it can be God, it can be spirit, it can be you know, great spirit, it can be Buddha. I mean, it, whatever it is for you, it is the organizing intelligence that somehow keeps the earth rotating around the sun and all the planets in their orbit so we don't crash into each other. It keeps the, the earth rotating on its axis so we have the four seasons and we can grow plants. There is an organizing intelligence. And if we tune into this organizing intelligence, regardless of what we name it, it is the all. And all answers can be found there and all solutions. So if we want guidance, we tune in. So intuition is like, you know, I would call, let's say, as a medium, the way I explain mediumship is I'm just the television set. I don't create the pictures that come through the TV set, but I can turn it on and then explain to you what's coming through the TV set. That's the same thing with your intuition. It's a technology. A television is a piece of technology to a container to convert this energy like let's say if it was Morris code, dots and dashes, how do we convert that into something we understand? It's the same thing. Your intuition takes this download from Holy Spirit, let's say, greater intelligence, and translates it so you can understand it. Intuition is easy to overlook. Is that correct, Angela? Holy cow. <laughs> it sure is. Um, it's such a little faint whisper at times. And when we are not used to tuning in, when we live our lives as most of us live, to, live today, always in a hurry, there's always hustle and bustle. And unfortunately, we are always tethered 
to our digital devices. You know, we've got the phone, we've got an iPad, we've got a computer, and God knows what else. We've got a wristwatch now. <laughs> and yeah. um, we are not used to the quiet, the peace, the solitude that perhaps, you know, the great writers of the uh, 20th century wrote about, you know, during um, the, the, you know, the great inspirational people that were writing like Emerson and Thoreau and Blake, you know, they had a lot more, even though the, they, they would consider what, where they lived was the modern times, but where we're living compared to the way they lived, there's no way we have inner quiet. Our minds are always going, constant stimulation. You know, if we have Twitter and we have Facebook and Snapchat and I don't know what else, whatever it is, but we need that inner peace. We need that inner quiet. We need to find a way to reconnect with our intuition because it's such a whisper and it's so quiet. And it's hard to hear because we're so busy and we live so disconnected from our bodies and from the natural world. So it's very, very important to develop some type of an, a way to quiet the mind. I highly recommend meditation but even a walk in nature at least every day without your phone plugged into your ear and in your back pocket emitting, you know, EMF um, type of uh, waves, I think is highly, highly beneficial to hearing your intuition. And don't you think this is a big problem? Sometimes most people don't recognize or trust their intuition. Yes, it's absolutely huge. And I think that's why we have so many people who, unfortunately, um, they might drink a lot, they might do drugs, they might take prescription drugs, they might try to numb all of the inner anxiety and fears they have with other substances. You know, food is a, it can be used as a substance too. Uh, there's all kinds of things that people do because they have a lot of insecurities and fears because they are so disconnected from their intuition. And the thing that I started saying in the beginning is that intuition and confidence are two sides of the same coin. Developing your intuition enhances your confidence. And the more confident you are, the more you are able to listen to your intuition and take some risks. And when you do something and leave your comfort zone, you meet with more success because you'll never find success just hiding in some, you know, in your comfort zone. You have to go out into the world. You have to do something. So I think it's a big problem in the world today, and a lot of people are masking these fears and insecurity with all kinds of substances. It doesn't necessarily mean you're an addict, but it means that many, many people use something to quiet the inner anxiety. And it could even be just antidepressants, which are, you know, highly, highly, uh, maybe even over-prescribed. I don't know, but many people are on antidepressants and sort of and things like that. So, yeah, I do think it's a huge problem. Our intuition uses different ways of sensing to communicate with us. 
Can you go into that a little bit, please? Yes, of course. Um, basically, you know, if you've ever noticed or had any experiences in your life, you'll be familiar with different ways that it came through for you. You know, some people hear their intuition. They hear a voice or they hear a thought that stands out over their other thoughts. So that would be auditory, you know, that sense where it's, you know, your auditory sense. And, of course, these are related to the clairs very strongly. And Clair audience, clear sensitive. Exactly. And I didn't want to get, I mean, of course, I'll be happy to talk about those. It's the same thing. I just wanted to make it more accessible for people because not everyone is familiar with the Claire, so I wanted to bring it down to a more, uh, a level that, you know, you didn't have to remember the name of the Claire. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you might be the kind of person who senses something is about to happen or senses that you shouldn't do something and you have a sense of anxiety, you have a wave of nervousness or anxiety going through most particularly your gut. And this is manifesting in the body. And it can be more like maybe, um, I would say, maybe clairsentience where you're feeling it. It's an actual feeling in the body. You might feel fearful or you might feel ambivalent about moving forward with something. And there's a sense of dread about doing something so you don't do it. And so that's more of a physical manifestation in the body of your intuition. And then there are some people who they just know out of the clear blue, they just know, no, I can't do that. No, we shouldn't do that. No, uh, this is going to happen or, you know, they just know that would be claircognizance. And that's coming through more of the mind where you just know, you don't know how you know, but you know that you know. And the other way that intuition can manifest is through visions or seeing something or dreams. This would be more of the clairvoyant type of intuition. And now I have to say something that um, when I wrote the book, you know, a lot of people, um, they don't, they understand intuition as being something that we have in our daily lives, but psychic ability seems to be something that a lot of people don't think they have or They think only a rare few have it or they can't develop it. But somehow the word intuition seems very benign. So I use the word intuition, but truly, truly, a lot of the things that I'm talking about in this book really fall more into more of the psychic realm. But I have used the word in in, sort of um, in place of that. So they are very similar, and that's why when we're talking about the clairs, the clairs are things that have always been used when you're talking about psychic ability. But people who are intuitive usually have one of these particular areas uh, that is a little bit more developed and uh, naturally uh, a natural gift to them, so to speak. And so 
if you think back over your life to any time when you had something that I might call an intuitive hit, something happened and you realized it to be, you know, oh, I was right. This, this is what that meant. If you think about how it came through for you and you think back to a couple other instances, you'll probably find that there is a connection that one of these particular areas that we talked about is more heightened in you. And that's kind of your natural ability. Yes, I would agree with that. And sometimes throughout your life, it can change. Um, yeah. The clairs, you know, sometimes it yeah. does change. I find this interesting. And I think it's with practice. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, yes, you're right, with practice. It's always practice, practice, yeah. practice. It is. Because I never thought I was clairaudient until I started um, studying mediumship and really becoming, you know, sitting in the power and really focusing on it. And then I realized that, oh, my clairaudience had started to develop. And now I hear things all the time. But years ago, I was mainly just very clairvoyant. Yes, it it does happen. Um, I found this interesting as well. I found a lot of things interesting in this book, actually. Strengthen (laughs) your memory. I have. Strengthen your memory to become a better intuitive. Oh, yes. This is so important. Years ago, when I was younger, I think I I said earlier, I started reading the tarot when I was 10 years old. And and one of the interesting things about that is I had this compulsion. Every time I went shopping with my mother, you know, I lived in New York, and we would go to Broadway, we would go to Woolworth. Every time we went to Woolworth, I begged and begged my mother or my grandmother or my aunt, whomever I was with, to buy me playing cards. And I was always, I had the, you know, Patty Duke playing cards, the old maid playing cards, the crazy apes playing cards, and you name it, any kind of game that was out there, I needed to have playing cards. And I would get home and I would unwrap the box. And then I was always so disappointed. They were just regular cards. (laughs) And uh, one day we got a Lillian Vernon catalog. I opened up the catalog and there was a deck of tarot cards. And they were a small little miniature deck, but I always remember they were like two ninety nine. And I begged and begged and begged. I said, please, Mom, you've got to get me these cards, and I will do all my chores. And as soon as I got them, I, of course, I went through them. I memorized the meanings. I started doing readings right away. And what I later found out as I got older and I started really, really researching the tarot, I did a big, huge paper in college about the history of it, was that in Italy, a lot of ancient spiritual wisdom was passed down in the monasteries by monks who would hand draw from books to create more books. You know, this is before the printing press was uh, invented. And so they had to copy things very, very carefully And they had to encode all of the pictures with meaning. You know, every color meant something. They were all encoded with meaning so that when you would look at these cards, you know, the 21 major arcana, the trump cards, they each represent a a position in man's growth and evolution spiritually. 
And I started researching the tarot, and what I found out was that the monks who were doing this work and that were the ones that were copying books and creating copies of these books and learning from copying the artwork in the book, they had amazing memories. And it was because they were so focused on focusing on all of these little things in the book. I mean, in their um, copying these tarot cards. And so it doesn't necessarily have to do with the tarot cards, but if you want to be a great psychic or a great intuitive, if you develop your memory powers, you will be a much better psychic or intuitive. For example, let's say you are going to play a game. And you're going to look around and say, okay, here's 10 items in my office. And I'm going to number them 1 through 10. And I'm going to put them on a piece of paper. And I'm going to read it very quickly. And then I'm going to put the paper away. And I am going to rattle off these 10 items. If you keep strengthening your memory to do something like that, or let's say you go to a store and you say, What if I had to um, identify somebody? Let's say something happened and I had to give a description. Look at a person and try to commit to memory. Okay, that person is this tall. They have this color hair. They're wearing this color shirt, this, that. They have a dimple here. They have a beauty mark here, whatever it is. If you, and then go out of the store and say, okay, now what what was that person? What did they look like? If you begin to focus and create an intention around strengthening your memory, you will create much more quiet, much more focus, and much better recall. So when those little inner whispers bubble up, and that's what happens, they just come bursting through. There's no rhyme or reason. You really can't control it. You will recall these intuitive hits where somebody else, it just bounces off the top of their head and it's gone in an instant. Just like when you wake up in the morning and you think you remember your dream and then the minute you open your eyes, it like vaporizes and it's gone. When you develop your memory power, you will also develop the ability to grasp and retain intuitive knowledge and downloads. It will make you a much better intuitive or psychic. That's true. And when you do mediumistic readings, the spirit world always takes what you have in your memory banks. So the more you remember and have, the better you can work with the spirit world. Yes, that's right. I had forgotten that. I hadn't even, I mean, when I wrote the book, I hadn't even thought of that. But yes. Yeah, they have much more to work with to help you get the right, you know, answers or, you know, whatever you need if you're doing a reading for someone. Yes. Absolutely. The more you know, the more they can grasp from your memory banks. And so, you know, read up on everything. Be knowledgeable because yes. that's their way of communicating. Okay, yeah. I'm going to put you on a and spot now. Oh, you, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are you, you going to put me on a what now? A spot. Now, I'm going to put you ask this one question. But go ahead. Finish what you oh. were saying, Angel. Oh, no. I was just going to say, it's absolutely like, let's say you're driving somewhere. And um, 
if you have been strengthening your memory, if you have become really focused, it's like having a really sharp tool, right? You can do things much more um, effortlessly because you're using a very sharp tool rather than a dull tool. It's the same thing. If there is a very light and brief, and it's like a bolt of lightning, this little idea that flies through your mind that says, no, no, take a right here, don't take a left here. If you are in the, if you have developed that ability to grasp and remember and recall very quickly, you will hear that and listen to it where the other person won't and perhaps they'll get stuck in like a two-hour traffic jam. It's kind of like, I was just giving you an example. So go ahead. You said you want to put me on the spot? Well, I'm ready. not really the spot. <laughs> this is from your book now. So, so okay. Um, this is something that you can share with our audiences tonight. 25 fun and easy ways to incorporate intuitive exercises into your daily life. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I have my book open, and, you know, I don't remember all 25. Oh, here we go. Okay. Let's. See. Um, well, you don't have oh, to do all 25. Okay. Well, um, I basically, things that you can do that are simple, like let's say you go to the post office and there's a couple of lines and you can decide, okay, which line is going to move the fastest? Or you could probably do this more easily at the grocery store. Just say, okay, intuition or spirit, tell me which line I should get on that will move the quickest. And then listen, feel, hear, know, whichever way it comes through for you, and then do it. Or let's say you, uh, somebody gives you a gift, and before you open the gift, just take two seconds and say, okay, what's in the box? Or... You could say, okay, I'm meeting friends for dinner. I'm going to guess what is my friend wearing tonight. And just close your eyes for two seconds and see if you get an image of seeing your friend and what clothing you're wearing. Or you could say, uh, what is my friend going to order for dinner or lunch? Let's say we're ha- I'm having lunch with a girlfriend and we're going to meet for lunch. What is she going to order? Just close your eyes for two seconds and say, and, and say what is she going to order for lunch? Things like that. They do not have a consequence if you're wrong. This is what I was talking about earlier. Make, start out by doing things on a small scale that will not have an impact upon your life, a negative impact, if you're not right. Because you don't want to do something so big and take a chance and then be wrong and then be sorry because, you know, it, it's, um, it's something that you can't fix or it could cost you in some way. So start out with doing small things like this. But as you do small things like this, you will develop more confidence. Like I was saying to you when I used to come home and I lived down near Philadelphia and I was going to come home from Philly Philly all the way up here to New York, and I would always ask my intuition, tell me which way should I come home? Should I take the New Jersey Turnpike or should I take the Garden State Parkway? And that became my thing that was always like, Darn, look at that. I turn on the radio and something had happened on the way that I didn't take. So that you can do something like that. Or you could do a little test. Like say you have a deck of playing cards. Take one playing card out of the deck. Don't look at it. 
and you can either put it in an envelope or hold it face down in between your hands and try to get a sense what card jumps into your mind. And perhaps, you know, you might just get the suit right or you might get the number right. But do something to stretch your intuition that does not have a major consequence if you're wrong. And what will happen over time, you will increase your confidence and you will get, you'll have hits. And as you have more hits, you will have more confidence. It's like a vicious cycle. It's, you know, it's interrelated, but each builds upon the other. Okay. Um, I just like, we have a couple callers, but before um, I let them uh, talk to you, I just want you to talk about some projects you are uh, creating now and what you're really passionate about. Oh, sure. Well, I have something that I've been doing for uh, a little over two years now, and that is helping entrepreneurs create a, a sustainable, thriving business. And I especially love working with spiritual and intuitive and really uh, creative um, entrepreneurs who are really, you know, into doing something good for the world. They're healers, they have a modality, or they're just in some way consider themselves to be very spiritual because I like to work with people like me. And what I help them do is I help them go from a business model where they might be working with clients one-on-one in hourly or session by session or, you know, basically appointment by appointment, and I help them create a sustainable, thriving business by changing their business model to actually creating a program based upon what they do to help people where instead of charging by the hour, they charge their client based upon helping them get to a specific outcome, a big transformation in their life, and we create a program, and then I teach them how to sell it in a really soulful way and how to get clients. So that's one thing that I love to do. But actually, I just did in May, I just ran a program And um, it was a program for helping people trust their intuition. And this is my new project that I am really, really passionate about because, of course, I've been doing Powered by Intuition. I started in January of 2010, so it's my baby. But I felt like there were so many uh, people that I met through Powered by Intuition who were really these beautiful, intuitive, spiritual souls, but they just weren't having success actually creating a thriving business. And they were really, you know, working like 24-7 and barely making, you know, $10 an hour. So I just felt like I had to share my business knowledge. But now what I really have always wanted to do, and you said this earlier, a big problem for people is they don't trust their intuition I have a program, which I'm tentatively, it's, um, I'm calling it Absolute Intuition, because it's all about learning how to trust your intuition and getting concrete, rock-solid guidance that you can actually put to the test, make decisions for your life, and let's say, for example, if you don't know what your purpose is, you don't know what your passion is, you don't know 
you really, really want to do something, but you're not sure, and you keep going back and forth and two steps forward and one step back, and you get stuck because you're just constantly feeling unsure and second-guessing yourself, this is a program to help solve that finally once and for all when you absolutely positively have to trust your intuition. This is a um, concrete program to show you how to get answers that are irrefutable. Okay. So now I'm going to take some callers. Are Okay, Angela? Yes, sure. Good evening, Truth Seeker. May we have a first name? Yes, my name is Michael. Hi, Michael. Go ahead and ask, ask your question to Angela. Yeah, well, I was intrigued to call in today because I have a, a, a very similar background. Uh, was commercial finance in the 80s and everything, or in, I'm sorry, not in the, in the 2000s and so forth, and you know, felt the brunt of the, the crash and so forth, and then went into, um, then kind of had my awakening per se, and that went into more, you know, into you know, mediumship development and intuition and so forth. So it's really interesting to actually hear somebody that kind of has the same background because I've owned small businesses and, and everything like that, and it's just really kind of refreshing to kind of, because there aren't, I don't think, many of us out there in that sense. And, you know, <laughs> with sales jobs I've had, you know, it's just like I just know, you know, type of thing, and I know who the person to contact, and, you know, it's just like it is what it is. So, no, I was just very intrigued by the uh, the, the background. So, wow, uh, well, it's just, such a pleasure yeah, to meet you, Michael. You as well. Yes, my pleasure. It was great listening to your story, and I was like, wow, that resonates so much. Wow. Yeah, well, I did a lot of things with commercial lending and uh, business uh, banking and so on, so I completely understand where you're coming from. And I think um, probably when you had your awakening, it probably you started to feel like a round peg in a square hole in that industry, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. And, and, and I almost kind of think – I almost kind of think it was, uh, you know, because I'll be honest with you, when I was in that industry, I was chasing money, plain and simple. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, $800 million in two loans at the crash, and, uh, you know, it all kind of went away. And then it was kind of like, huh, let's reboot this. And, you know, um, this isn't what you're really supposed to be doing. Uh, business is fine, yeah. but, again, you've got to do business with uh, more mindfulness uh, and again, it took me a long time to find sales jobs that I actually connected with, with what I was doing, because I wasn't going to put anybody over a barrel. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I de- and I think you know, business with soul. I think is kind of like I like to put it. Now we want to do business with soul. We don't want to have, you know, a soulless business because. It's empty. It's devoid of life. And I think like we talked about earlier when Karen was asking me some really great questions, it's, it's, it's going against the flow of life. And so I, I, am, I applaud your awakening, but, of course, it's, you know, it's part of your path, I'm sure, and that was why, you, you know, you probably went from one extreme to the other where we were all in the rah-rah, go-go days before the big crash and it was just raining money, and then all of a sudden the money went away, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, maybe there is something more because it sure as heck ain't about that. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, no, because, I I mean, I just, you know, there was no balance. 
I remember looking at my no. phone and seeing at night, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and just kind of seeing that the blue light was there. So it was an email from India. And I'm like, man, if I don't respond now, you know, type of thing, uh, you know, it'll mm-hmm. be another 18 to 20 hours before I get a response. And then next thing you know, your day started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think there's probably more and more of us out there than ever before who are waking up and who are really realizing that, you know, we have to use our business acumen to do good and to help awaken others and be that little, that little candle that lights the next candle that lights the next candle so that we can raise the consciousness, uh, all of us together who, you know, have awakened and be a force for good, be that tidal wave, you know, and start to awaken others to doing, you know, business with soul and doing good for the earth and for each other. And so I, I'm so glad to meet you, and it's such a pleasure to know that you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Good evening, True Seeker. May we have a first name? Hello, this is uh, Greg from Pennsylvania. Hi, Greg. Go ahead and talk to Angela. Hi, Greg. Hi. Uh, my question was, I seem to be struggling with, you know, it's like I have a lot of ideas, and it seems like whenever I start to build up momentum to get everything working out, Usually I have some type of uh, issue with back pain, chronic fatigue, and it's like uh, it always seems like there's that chaos that builds to the point where I'm fully distracted from what I'm doing. Like right now Mm. I'm in the process of, I just just changed my diet again, Uh, more of a fasting type uh, vegetable, and... uh, you know, it's helped me out a lot with back pain and, th- and inflammation and things like that. And it uh, seems like uh, right now I'm just I'm cleaning the house. I'm getting rid of the clutter, ready to, you know, take on all the things that I want to do. But, you know, I think in the background, I'm always uh, I'm concerned about this is just going to be one of those uh, times where I can do this for a little while and uh, I'll hit a roadblock from really, you know, manifesting and fully, you know, diving into my intuition and skills and things like that. Mm. I understand that. I went through that, and I, it took me a long, long time to finally know my purpose and leave my job. And I understand that. And I'm, I, as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking, I wonder if, do you ever think that maybe, you know, having chronic fatigue or, I don't know, did you say something about lymphatic problems or you said you were on a, um, a lymphatic diet? Well, I wasn't sure if I heard you properly. No, I'm more like, uh, I think some of the food causes inflammation and it uh, mm. aggravates any back pain I have. So I... I got to sound like a more of a non-inflammatory diet seems to help a lot. Yeah, 
I'm a, I do that too. I'm, I'm gluten free and dairy free, and that has made a big difference. So I, but I was just going to say, I wonder if you know sometimes, and of course, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I'm just you know how if we have fear and insecurity about creating something where we're responsible for the result, right? You know, the buck stops here (laughs) and um, we're not in a job where there's a regular paycheck. You know, I wonder, sometimes our body is going to just like create a symptom. And I'm not saying it's not real, it's real, but to create a way where we don't move forward because we have chronic fatigue or we have inflammation and we have pain that a physical pain will stop us. And I would say one of the things that, that would help you is if you just focus on, you know, you know the uh, solar plexus chakra that's around like the belly button area? That's where yeah. our confidence yeah. and our power is, which I'm sure you know. I'm sure every every listener on this sort of a station would know, would be aware of the chakras. But if you put your hands there, and I talk about this in the book, like to get connected to your body and your intuition, take your hands and place them around that chakra. And I like to say put um, your thumb to thumb and your pointer finger to pointer finger is in a kind of around your belly button and flat on your abdomen and just okay. do belly breathing because we have when we have a lot of fear and concerns and anxiety and of course it's not unfounded i mean we have to make money we have to make a living you know we have a mortgage or rent to pay we can't just you know give good wishes we have to give something real you know so we live in a lot of angst and fear in this society, and it ha- it's a lot of financial angst and many things happening, you know, from health care and so on and so forth. So one of the ways to get connected to your intuition and your source of power and your confidence is to put your hands around that chakra and do deep breathing, like in through the nose, hold it, and out through the mouth in a very rhythmic way to calm the anxiety. And if you make it a habit, anytime you start to just have any sort of like, oh, no, this isn't going to work out, or, oh, I don't know, am I going to have, you know, disappointment, or any type of thoughts like that, just say, I'm just going to breathe for two minutes. And change your energy. And see if that helps you. But the one thing I also wanted to mention is you have a lot of ideas. And that is the biggest, now that's two things. One, it's a sign that you're probably an entrepreneur. You have that entrepreneurial inventor spirit because we have ideas. We're like idea factories on steroids. We never stop. That's what entrepreneurs do. We can't stop thinking. We're always thinking like, oh, this is a great idea. Oh, my God. So on the one hand, that's really good. On the other hand, it's uh, one of those things It's like having a fantastic horse but having no reins. We need to control it. So mm-hmm. um, it's a good sign for you, but I would think, do you do any meditation? Uh, yeah, I always. Uh, Great. I create a lot of my good. meditations. Too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, then, 
you know what you can do is if you have ideas, that take maybe, you know, one or two that you're really inspired by and just say, I'm going to have in my meditation today, I am bringing these two ideas into my meditation and I would like to be guided as to which one is the most viable that I should follow and the other one I am going to put on a shelf. Because, you know, your mind is always trying to get your attention and you're very, obviously, you're highly creative and inspirational and, you know, very uh, intellectual and you have all these great ideas. But we need to focus on one thing at a time, as you well know. So if you maybe allow your intuition to guide you to the one that is the most viable and keep a journal of your ideas so you can go back later get them out of your head so they don't keep dancing around in there. Maybe it'll help you to, you know, focus on the, the one or two things that are really going to work out the best for you and really manifest, especially financially. Okay. Okay, thank you. No, that'll work. Thank you. You're welcome. Good evening, Truth Seeker. May we have a first name, please? Good evening. Hello. Do you have a first name, please? Uh, yeah, my first name is Jacqueline. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi. I, hi, Jacqueline. I, I, hi. I'm an entrepreneur trapped in another profession, and it's oh, frustrating. Oh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, and do you have a question about that, or <laughs> you know what? I, I grew up around my parents doing their own business and working hard to build for the future. And my question is, I'm 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 really trying to trust my intuition again because I mm-hmm. lost I lost that that trust in my intuition after my mom passed. And everything went oh, haywire. I'm sorry. So the dreaming mm-hmm. and the visions and the things that I used to get all the time, it just seems like it comes in spurts, but it usually comes when I'm really anxious and afraid. And I don't like feeling fear, and I do feel it right there in my solar plexus. So that, that um, recommendation that you just gave, I know it resonates well with me because I, I honestly actually oh, have, good. sometimes my, my stomach would be so sore. Mhm. And I know yeah, it's a it's deep all that anxiety. fear. Yeah. Yes. Is your question about how to? I I want to I want to build my trust. I want to build my trust again, but I don't know what's what's really blocking it. If it's fear or if it's just being, you know, just bombarded with everybody else's stuff. Well, it can be both. I mean, fear is a huge intuition blocker. I talk about this in the book. I I, uh, talk about there's nine well-known intuition blockers, and fear is at the top of the list when we're afraid and anxious. It's sort of like somebody put some kind of a jamming signal on your intuition. It's like it's being scrambled so that you can't understand it because your fear is so strong it's sending out this frenetic energy from your body and your mind to the universe, you know, 
that you're afraid, that you're upset, and it's like this, it jams up your intuition. So it's definitely that. And if you are really, you know, the go-to person in your family who is a caregiver in many, many ways, and even if you, if it's, you know, even if you're not a mother but you are a giver of helping and caring for others and constantly, you know, uh, people coming to you, even in your job if you're that kind of person, when we don't know how to delineate our boundaries and say no, and we say yes when we really want to say no sometimes, you know, that's also when we talked about earlier about being authentic. You know, we're not able to be authentic because we might have some people-pleasing tendencies. You know, we have this from our childhood. A lot of times these things happen to us and we become a certain way. But, yes, that will definitely, definitely block out your intuition. Um, as well, I found myself having yes. I found myself having to be in survival mode more so not because of things that I was doing, what everyone else was doing. And so it's like, I, I, you know, I, I gave away my power trying to be mm-hmm. a caregiver, trying to, you know, mm-hmm. put things in order. But, you know, I, I believe, one, one thing that I do believe, though, is that after my mom passed away, I, I believe that she knew that I was going to have to face what I had to face. And that's the reason why she dealt with me the way that she did. And she taught me certain things that she didn't teach anybody else. Mm. Uh, You're probably right. I mean, subconsciously, I think we always know more than we actually know consciously. And we can do things and, and behave in certain ways that, in her case, you know, she might have just been seeing it intuitively and not telling you, too. I mean, it could be conscious or unconscious, but... I I don't disagree with that. But as far as, you know, you're in a job and you really want to be an entrepreneur, as long as you have a viable type of business that solves a problem for people, I don't know what kind of business you're in, but the businesses that are the most highly sought after are people who do something that help other people solve a problem in their life. And if you do something like that and you can find a way to create some kind of a solution for people and then offer your solution and you keep focusing on it, and even though I know it's hard because, believe me, I did it, um, I was doing this and I was working at my job up until August of 2014 um, full-time, it takes a lot. It's tiring, but you can, you can have it. You can have your dream. Your intention is everything. And if you know what it is, that's part of it. Are you? Do you know what the business is that you want to do? Yes. I mean, it's 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 more than one type of business. But I I I like to manage property. But um, I Great. also like research, and you know, I'm I'm interested. Seriously, and importing and exporting, it was something that mm. I wanted to do, and um, you know, I got, I kind of got like sidetracked with some other things, and I, you know, I just want to do it. Um, I'm, I'm a school teacher, and I'm vested, and you know, each time that I like even tell my spouse that I want to do this, and we need to be oh, on board. Oh yeah, 
yeah. test of time. It's like, hmm. oh, but you can't leave your job. And to be honest with you, it's it's not achieving. It's not it's not working towards my higher good at this point. I know I'm giving back, but I'm I'm giving back in a system that doesn't appreciate it. So that does something to me on the inside. Like I don't think that you have to you have to serve mankind and 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 struggle at the same time that you have to serve mankind and get beat up while you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. Serving doesn't mean um, being, being a in martyr. constant pain and torment. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. No, that's a big dilemma. I uh, gosh, I wouldn't know where to tell it because. Yeah, being vested and I don't know how many years you have to go till you retire and all of the benefits, and that is a tough one. Um, all I could say is there's a lot of people, you know, and I'm not saying this is the answer for you, but I'm just making a statement. There's many, many people who had a side hustle for a long time until mm-hmm. circumstances were right such that they could, you know, make their side gig their full-time gig. So and that's, do that's your what I research. Because yeah. I think... The next six or seven years could go by just as quick as the last six years went by. Oh, boy. I know that for me, that seems like, wow, I can't believe another decade or whatever. <laughs> Time goes too fast. <laughs> well, you know, I, I also used to um, I used to get a lot of dreams that used to, like, forewarn me or I would see things in my mm. dreams happen. And then once, once when my mom passed away and all the turmoil began, I no longer could remember my dreams, and they're just starting now to come back in like different spurts. Like I might take a nap Good. and I'll dream something, but then if I go to sleep right. at night, I won't remember anything. Um, and I just feel like that's a really trying. good sign, Jacqueline. You know what? Coming. Because it does come in spurts. I mean, I know I lost my dreams for like six years. And I was a big dreamer, a clairvoyant dreamer, just like, you know, getting answers, getting, you know, all kinds of really amazing guidance. And I found mm-hmm. it very upsetting, but don't give up. I, I wrote about that in the book, too. You've got to get super disciplined, intend on having a dream every night, keep a pad next to your bed with a pen, and, like, like you know, dig your ditches as if the rain was coming, right? Like, so be prepared. Like, I'm going to have a dream tonight. I will have a dream, and I will remember it, and I will write it down. Like, make that your mantra before you go to bed. And then Mm -hmm. say, I want an answer about this. Give me guidance on what I should do about my, you know, my job or whatever. And it will come to you. It may not come in a dream. It might just come where you're just walking down the street, and all of a sudden you hear, like, this, you know, voice in your head, and it says, do this, you know, and that's happened to me. And it's it's pretty crazy, but you just create me a attention. Lot. I mean, recent, yeah. recently oh. someone called me by my official name, and no one was there. Wow. See, you're very intuitive. You know what it is? We have a couple of dry spells, and we start to doubt. Instead, what we need to do is be appreciative and grateful and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I am so grateful for my intuition. I appreciate it. I am so grateful. And every day, say that prayer and don't give in to fear because you're very, very intuitive. I can just hear it from what you're saying. But we all give in to fear. And I'm not singling you out. Believe me, I do it too. I'm not, you know, um, it happens to all of us when we don't 
things don't happen for a while, we hit a dry patch and we all start to wonder, did I lose it, you know? So, but I think gratitude and appreciation are always the answer in many, many cases, not, you know, intuition or whatever it is in our lives. Focus on the good. Okay. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you It was a pleasure, Jacqueline. Can you repeat the title of the book, please? Oh, certainly. It's, the Intuition Principle, How to Attract the Life You Dream Of. If you just Google my name uh, or uh, Angela Artemis on, um, on uh, Amazon, you'll see all the books. Okay, thank you. I appreciate thank it. You. Angela Artemis, it's spelled That's the right. same way yep. that, it's, that it's pronounced? Yeah, like the um, Greek name Artemis, <laughs> A-R-T-E-M-I-S. Yes, thanks, Jacqueline. Thank you, Jacqueline. Okay. um, I have another question for you. Sure. Okay. Here it is. Okay. um, How to use journaling to awaken your intuition? Because people love to journal, so you want to tie that in a little bit? Oh, yes, I'd love to. I love journaling. And um, it is so awesome when you and I think I was saying that to who was I was that Jacqueline or before to when you get up in the morning the greatest gift you can give yourself besides meditation and I'm only saying that because I highly highly believe as a meditation instructor that you know we should be meditating and I'll even go on my little soapbox we should have kids meditating in school but anyway. Um, I yes, do we should. believe that if, yeah, I would think it would change behaviors, like um, create a whole different society. But in any case, if you get up in the morning, and, and it really takes some discipline, but it's so worth it. I remember when I was commuting into New York, and I would get up early so I could meditate and journal before I started my long commute. And it mm-hmm. was so worth it because... When you meditate, you can write. What I like to tell people to do is if you have a question that you want your intuition to answer, write it at the top of the page and then just start writing. And it's really fun if you want to try some intuitively inspired writing. Just look away and try not to think about what you're writing. Just let your hand do the writing. Of course, probably at an unconscious level, you will absolutely be aware of what you're writing, But once you get into it, and if you have a hard time, start writing something like Mary Had a Little Lamb or something that you know or, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. Write a little poem. If you have trouble writing, write something that you know until you get over that first kind of like getting out of, you know, from from neutral into first gear kind of thing. And allow that inspired writing to come through you have your question at the top and and you can write uh, and I know I used to love to do this like on a Saturday morning because then of course I didn't have to get up at an ungodly hour (laughs) but then I would write sometimes for like two hours and I would be shocked I would write like 12 pages and then I would go back and read them and I would be absolutely blown away at the wisdom 
And the answers that I had for myself, you can communicate effortlessly with your intuition if you allow yourself to journal. And if you get into the habit of journaling every day, and it can be, you know, you have a gripe. You're upset with your boss. Your spouse did this. Your kid didn't do this. Get that out of your system and get it on the paper. Get it out of your head. And once you get all of those kind of, you know, not very positive thoughts out of your mind, then your mind is freed from all of these things that are circulating and you're opening up to contact with greater intelligence to flow through you, through your hand, through the pen, right onto the page. Okay. And now we have another caller for you, Angela. Sure. Good evening, Truth Seeker. May we have a first name? Yeah, my name is Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh, you're welcome. What's your question? Um, I'm working in a spot that I feel that it... uh, I'm working with some toxic people, with a you know one directly above me. But I I know that I should probably send out resumes, and I don't know where or what. But I'm wondering if I'm learning this lesson or not learning this lesson of why I'm in this place and at this time, you know. And I was wondering mm. if you could see me leaving or the the toxic person maybe leaving which is my manager. Well, well, just one thing, I don't really, I don't do readings. I teach people how to get in touch with their intuition, but I will just tell you what I, you know, my, when you just started talking, I, and you said you were wondering if this was a lesson, I right away inside, I said, yes. (laughs) And um, because a lot of times, you know, we are put into situations that we need to learn how to master because we haven't mastered it before. And have you ever had a situation in your life where you had to deal with um, other toxic people in your life? Yes, and they they have mental illness, I believe, like bipolar Mm. disorder or something like that. I don't know if it's like Mm. to be tough because my habit is to run. You know, I'm more of a, like a runner because it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, yeah. But I understand it's not that. comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, just, I understand that because I have always had, um, I, I now, now because I, I have gotten more, you know, clarity and able to hear my intuition and my mind, I discovered years ago that I used to say to myself, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. And I used to hear that thought in my head. And so then what happens is, you know, anything that's happening outside of us is happening because it's happening inside of us. And Mm -hmm. you know how the world is, it's a mirror of our consciousness and our beliefs and everything that's going on internally so that we could see what's, what's really going on in us. So if, uh, the one thing I would say when you said, is is it a lesson? Absolutely. I do think, you know, we are here, and I'm sure, you know, Karen, as a um, spiritual medium and as uh, a reverend, 
you know, with uh, a church of her own will will probably attest to the fact that, you know, we're here to learn how to navigate the physical world, and it's not easy because when we are in spirit, we don't have any discord. We don't have problems. You know, everything is just so easy, and we don't grow and develop character and, you know, that inner strength unless we meet with obstacles. And so if there's anything inside of you, you said you're a runner, you know, if we have any kind of repetitive thought like um, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna leave or I gotta move or I can't stay here or that kind of thing, you know, we could possibly be recreating a situation where every situation we get into recreates that inner thought that we have to leave, right? Because that's what we're that's the mental tape that we keep playing it over and over again, like an answering machine tape, you know, that goes on over and over. So. Uh, one of the th- I didn't talk about this in the book, but one of the things that I um, highly, highly recommend to people, and I actually am a um, I'm a certified emotional technique, uh, emotional um, freedom technique practitioner. If you look up on the internet, uh, look up emotional freedom technique. It mm-hmm. will really help you. It's called EFT, emotional freedom technique. I've and, done it before. Um, Awesome. So you know what it is. And just for the other listeners out there, it's like acupuncture without needles where you tap on the acupressure points instead of inserting needles, and it can be done on your own. It's very, very simple. You don't even need to be certified, but it's a great way to dislodge memories and anxieties and fear and beliefs that you have that are keeping you stuck and that are are somehow attracting toxic people and toxic situations to you. And one thing I would say, and I I talk about this in my book, I um, grew up with very, very authoritarian parents and um, very, um, yes, and a narcissistic personality personality disorder uh, around me. And so uh, one of the things I realized after many, many repetitive situations, not the same people, but different people, but similar right. type personalities that I drew into my life, wherever wherever I go, there I am. And I realized I can't change them, but I can only change me. I need to develop yep. my own boundaries. And I think this is, Karen asked me this earlier, why did I want to become an intuition coach? Because we always end up teaching what we most need to learn. And I know for me it was confidence and belief in myself. And when you believe that your intuition is guiding you and you trust it, you develop confidence and belief in yourself, and then other people cannot do that to you anymore. You won't, you won't, once you get into that and you start believing in you, you will stop attracting negative and toxic people. And it never works the other way around. Like, you know, whether your boss leaves or not, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with you because it's we are the magnets that are attracting this stuff so that we wake up. It's kind of like, you know, how the the universe will give you a soft knock. And if you don't get the knock, then they're going to, you know, give you a little kick in the butt. And if you don't get the kick in the butt, they're going to hit you over the head with a two-by-four, right? So that's well, really what it's about. Yeah. The minute you're saying it, like the answers are coming to me. I know because awesome. um, you said about a critical parent, and I had looked up Louise Hay for uh, something, and 
somebody said that that was like a lot of her stuff was from the 80s, so it didn't resonate. And then I found another uh, medical intuitionist that had something that resonated and had a critical parent. And my mother was incredibly yeah. critical, and these are all women. And my, my, mm-hmm. I'm staying, but I'm in the middle of a 40-day tap touch now that you say all this. It's, the answer is just all popping back. And but I oh, still I'm have. So yeah, I think when I get to the end of the forty-day commitment, I made it to myself to tap out victimization. That not only will I be healed physically, but I guess I'll be healed mentally too. Because candida yes. is an issue, and it comes mm-hmm. back. It comes back. It's the mm-hmm. same thing, mental and physical and spiritual. So I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just another thing yeah. trying to get me to run, but I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run. I'm not doing it. Good. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. That's it. You know what? Isn't it amazing how we really do have all the answers within? And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, talking to somebody or hearing it or reading it, and it all kind of releases all of this amazing trapped wisdom that you already yeah. possess. Well, yeah. I'm so excited for you. I would love Thank to. You. I would. I would love to hear that you made great progress. I got like 30 more days to go, <laughs> and I'm sure you can do you know, it. Like we, I, well, when you're on a candida cleanse and you want to eat some sugar, and you're like, oh, I just want to throw this commitment away. I'm uh, and I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not eating sugar, and I'm not leaving this job. I'm going to stay with Good. it. Good. Yeah, and you know so. once you break free and you don't run and you don't give in and you then you'll really be free because then you'll start flowing with life because you won't have this big lesson that the universe keeps trying to teach you. Yeah, thank you. I just needed that. Oh, the my again. pleasure. <laughs> you know, I'm so it, glad. That's right, and and just remember to all your strength go within, and you'll find that inner strength to do whatever you need to do. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, You're welcome. It was close today, but I didn't do it. <laughs> Thank you. See? Awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Angela, as we, as I was sitting here, I, I was thinking about um, different things, and you've done many things. And But who would you say inspired you to go out of the box and do this journey and path you're on? Oh, my God. Well, it wasn't a person that I knew, but, you know, a mentor can be somebody you've never met. And I always read a ton of books. Um, You know, there was an author who, you know, we were talking about the 80s before, who was very, very popular. And she, she still writes books, but I think, you know, there's many, many voices now. But Shakti Gawain. And um, she wrote a book called Creative Visualization in the 80s. And then she wrote another book called Living in the Light. And it was all about listening to your intuition. And I believe the book came out like maybe 1989 or something like that. And I, I read it shortly thereafter, like 90 or something like that. And that was the first time I ever understood that intuition was inner guidance and it was guidance from greater intelligence. And the reason why we had intuition was because it was guidance for our life. It was intelligence, another 
form of intelligence that we can use to guide us on the right path. Before that, growing up, like I said earlier, you know, having um, done the tarot from when I was 11, then I started doing astrology charts when I was 12. Like, I only thought all of these things were about sort of like fortune telling. I was very immature. I didn't understand that there was a broader purpose. And growing up, and I mentioned this to our last caller, you know, growing up in a house where there was, I was always fearful of being criticized and being, you know, feeling like I might get in trouble and having to defend myself and this and that. I always was looking for an answer like, well, when is something going to change? So I would read my cards or I'd read somebody else's cards or I'd cast my chart. It was only when I came across the writings of Shakti Gawain. And, of course, I had been reading um, Science of Mind, Ernest Holmes, and um, all of the New Thought teachings um, around that time, like from the mid-'80s, and I really, really became interested in how our thoughts create our reality. But I think the reason why Shakti Gawain inspired me so much is because she always listened to her intuition. And she had never held a, like, what I would call a real job, but yet somehow she always managed to be okay. She always managed to teach workshops and help people. And then she started a publishing company that became a multi-million dollar company, um, like Louise Hay, too. But And I always wondered, well, how come I have this rare, really humdrum life? You know, here I'm stuck in finance and wearing a suit to work and carrying a briefcase and, you know, this very kind of, like, why can't I live by my intuition? Why doesn't anything extraordinary ever happen to me? You know, but reading her books, I realized it's because I didn't listen. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that happens through you as you become your authentic self and allow higher intelligence or greater intelligence or Holy Spirit, whatever we want to call it, to move through you, you know, talk through you, walk through you, you know, speak through you, be you, then your life flows beautifully and it's intuitively inspired. And when you started this path, did you ever think, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this, you know? Did you ever have feelings like that? Every day. I still have it. It, just, it doesn't go away. I mean, if and you talk to people that are multi-multi-billionaires, they will tell you they still have fears. We have to live with fear. It's part of being human. But the extraordinary human goes on and does and accomplishes and gives their all despite the fear. But the fear will always try to worm its way in. I don't think it ever goes away. Well, I think when we talked about this a couple days ago, when you're really passionate about something, that really helps you to strive in what you want to do. It sure does. It sure does. Like when I think about helping people become confident and trust their intuition so that they can find their path, their purpose, and make decisions based upon it, I get so excited because I know that's what I always wanted in my life, 
And so if I can help other people do that, that just makes me just feel like jumping for joy, you know. And you can, you know, work through the fear because you're passionate. You're right. You're right. It just takes over. You don't realize um, when I started on my journey as being a medium, um, I just read every book about mediumship I could get my hands on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually a good sign that that's something you're passionate about. That's what I usually tell people when they say, but I don't know what my purpose is. I said, go look at your bookshelf. It's right there. <laughs> you know. That's true. It is. Yeah. <laughs> It is. I, uh, the one caller that called in, remember we were talking about uh, fear was one thing that blocks your intuition. Did you say there were some other things that would block your intuition as um, well? Yeah, there's nine fear blockers. And let me see. I have, you know, I know this sounds really terrible, but I have to actually look at my book so I can remember all nine because I actually wrote this book in 2011. And not that I don't think about it every day, but I've written tons of articles on it, but, I mean, it's fear. It's having Mm -hmm. people around you that are constantly criticizing you and belittling you. Because, again, remember what I said, intuition and and confidence are two sides of the same coin. If you are in a toxic environment where people are putting you down and making you feel bad and making uh, fun of you or making you constantly second-guess your decisions, that is going to block your intuition because you're not going to trust yourself. It's going to erode your confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, let me see. I, I know this sounds terrible, but I have to look at my, I have to look no. at my book because okay. I know, of course, there's, there's many more than that, but yeah. fear, criticism, uh, you know, and uh, being in a toxic environment, and um, doing any kind of drugs, obviously, drinking a lot of alcohol, you know, I, uh-huh. everything in moderation. Like, I don't drink at all, I, and I'm not saying that nobody should drink, but I personally don't enjoy it, so I never drink. But I just think anything that messes up your mind and your clarity um, is not a good idea. Let's see. Okay. Oh, well, my gosh, Karen. That's fine. We got another caller anyway, so we're going to let them okay. ask you a question. How's okay. that? Okay, great. Good evening, Truth Seeker. May we have a first name? It's Celeste. Hi, Celeste. Hi, Karen. <laughs> would you like I'm to I'm really enjoying Angela? listening to the show. Yes, I would. Okay. Hi, Celeste. Hello. Can I just talk? Can I talk now? You can talk. Sure. Okay. (laughs) I just have had this hilarious experience listening to this um, whole dialogue and the people calling in because uh, that answered a lot of my questions that I had were kind of answered. And um, that's really nice. I just wanted to maybe add one thing that I found that has been very helpful for me, and that's having a spiritual support group. Um, yeah, it's huge, huge for me to connect with like-minded thinkers on a regular basis, do a meditation circle, go to the spiritual church, go to service, because there is a lot of negativity out there. And whatever, you know, trials we've had to work through, like I've always had, a, I've always had to work through trials of being really good at what I do, but there's always at least one person who just 
is mean to me. I don't know how else to put it, but <laughs> oh, no. it like p- pulls the energy that way, and I have to really work hard to not go there defending myself because it doesn't have anything to do with me um, mm-hmm. on that level anyway. But anyway, I, yeah. I have found that enormously important to have a spiritual-based support group and to also go to the spiritualist church because it just makes that aspect of life. I, I love your books and your suggestions because they're very practical and you can use them in everyday life. And a, a lot of us who have been doing this for a while, I know I used to keep my spiritual life was like hidden from, it was hidden from my everyday life. It was something that was like I didn't share with a lot of people. And that's mm-hmm. very different now. Now it's just part of my, now it's part of my everyday life, you know. And I I don't really keep everybody all divided, like you people are over there and you people are over there and you people are over there. <laughs> and, um, so anyway, I just wanted to add that that's, that's really helped me too. It's really helped me a lot. I'm glad you made that point, Celeste. That's really important. I think I talk about it in the book about being with like-minded people in some kind of yes. community. And absolutely, right. being in community with people, especially in a spiritual uh, community like the Spiritualist Church or, you know, whatever it is for you, it's so right. important. And I do really appreciate that you brought out this kind of whole separation thing because I spent um, – you know, almost 30 years in this financial industry where I kept what I was doing hidden. And right. I was deathly afraid because I didn't quit my job up until 2014. And right. I had been writing books. I had my website. I was being interviewed all over the place. I was giving lectures. And I was deathly afraid that my company would find out and fire me because they would think I was some kind of, you know, I don't know what they would think. But now that I'm free of that, I see uh-huh. that actually no one was, you know, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have gone around spouting certain things, but I could right. have been more open and I created that. And um, right. now I feel like I brought the fractured part of myself all into one. But yeah, yep. it's so important to be a whole person, to be spiritual, not just when you're in a spiritual place, but at work, in business, right. in life, in everyday life. And yeah. um, that is, I'm glad you made those points. They're very important in spiritual community and having a support group like that where you go and perhaps, you know, you're all working towards some goal together spiritually, whether it's, you know, becoming a medium or a spiritual sure. circle that you're sitting in, you know, a psychic development circle or whatever it is. For each person, it's different, but to connect right. to Holy Spirit. And, I, and that yep. is, you know, because the more we're connected, it's like the GPS is on all the time guiding us, <laughs> not just right. when we go to the spiritual place. So I'm glad you made that point. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I can't wait to read your book. Um, oh, I'm so glad. And thank you, Karen. <laughs> Thanks for the podcast. It's It's really this is also really nice to have live speech and real people um, get creating this energy. It's just terrific. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Celeste. Okay. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye.
that had to be a little terrifying for you, Angela, right? I mean, in the kind of work you did with the people you were around to have the two lives, I guess. It was, and I was always so afraid people would find out. The strange thing is once I did become a regional manager and I had several teams of financial, um, you know, uh, professionals that were reporting to me, I started, you know, we had to do weekly sales meetings. And the one thing that I did do was I incorporated meditation and creative visualization into our sales meetings so that we would visualize our goals. And we became number one in our region, always, you know, meeting and exceeding our goals. So people liked it because it had the results that they wanted. And so they didn't see that. And I remember my boss said to me, I know you do that weird wacko stuff with your team, but it's working. So I'm not going to say anything, (laughs) but um, yeah, you know, I, I brought it in in a way that I thought they would accept it because it had financial reward attached to it. But of course I don't, you know, I, I don't think we need to just focus on that because it's, it's out of balance. Life isn't just about that. Life is about giving back and doing good and being good and spreading good. And that's my philosophy. Maybe that's what my religion, but, um, Yeah, it was terrifying because once I started writing uh, for Powered by Intuition, I had another website before that two years earlier, and it was about giving out financial advice. So that I wasn't too worried about. But then when I started Powered by Intuition, I was always afraid people would find out and think I was kind of a nut. And, you know, when I was publishing books, I remember they interviewed me at the newspaper and I wouldn't let them use my photograph, just my book cover because I was so afraid my boss would find out. So, yeah, it was – I held myself back in a way, but I guess, you know, it is what it is. It's done now, but, yeah, it was it was kind of scary. I, I imagine. I guess we're going to end with uh, something I want to ask you. Sum this up for me. What has intuition done for you personally? Wow. Well, I'm going to say, what hasn't it done? And so I know it, I, I'm not saying it's a magic potion, but for me, once I finally put it together, and again, I have to credit Shakti Gawain, and I do credit her in the book as I do have a big, 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 big bibliography in the book. But um, once I understood that using your intuitive abilities, using the divinatory abilities that I had acquired, and, um, you know, tarot and astrology and um, be, becoming a medium came later on in my 30s. But um, I, I finally understood that it was not about predicting the future. It was about gaining confidence in myself. Because if we listen to our intuition, we will always be guided to our highest good. Our intuition will never tell us to jump off a bridge. That's our fear. That's our ego. That's the critical mind. Never, ever, ever would our... Something that comes from higher intelligence is only going to reinforce life. Like, in other words, it's like if I'm a big Star Trek fan, right? If we talk about the prime directive, the prime directive do not, you know, do not interfere... In other planets, do not 
you know, interfere in their culture and change their life and, and do what's right because, you know, Star Trek was always about morality, about doing what was right. And I think that's what it's, the intuition will only guide you to what is right and true. And it is good for you and good for all of mankind. It's never selfless, selfish. And so uh, listening to your intuition will always result in you living your highest good, living your highest potential, finding your passion, and living up to that great potential inside. Like if you're born, you know, as a little oak seed, you will become a mighty oak if you listen to your intuition. If you don't, you might just have a little tiny, scrappy little seedling your whole life, right? So I have to say what intuition has done for me is what I understood what it was for. It was about connecting to higher intelligence, you know, and having spirit tell you, guide you, lead you, walk with you, talk through you. And it has always led to my highest good and my greatest potential. And it's always amazing. And you can't predict sometimes what's going to happen. It's so exciting. It's the most exciting way you can live. I have to put it that way. (laughs) Okay. Well, Angela, thank you very much. This concludes our show for tonight. Oh, thank you. Thank you, my dear friend. You've come a long way. Oh, and I, thank and I you. want to thank it's been you a pleasure. For and for stepping out of the box and helping others step out of the box and find their true selves. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Karen. Take care. You too. Our show next month will be on August 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guest will be Lisa Smart. Lisa is the author of Words at the Threshold. A linguist, educator, and poet, she founded the Final Words Project, an ongoing study devoted to collecting and interpreting the mysterious language at the end of lives. She co-facilitates workshops about language and consciousness with Dr. Raymond Moody at universities, hospices, and conferences, and lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Visit her online at www.finalwordsproject.org, on Facebook, www.facebook.com, slash words at the threshold, or Twitter, twitter.com, slash Lisa A. Smart. So come and listen to Lisa talk about what our last words reveal about life, death, and the afterlife. I want to thank all the truth seekers for listening tonight. Till we meet again, may you be the light that helps others see.